Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Today I am here with Olivia Martin. She is a self-relationship coach and was also awarded Life Coach of the Year in 2021, which is absolutely incredible. I am so, so excited to have you on the podcast today. Liv, how are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here as well and delve deeper into all these important questions we've got coming up. Yeah, we've got some juicy stuff coming up, so I'm excited. We're going to have some fun. But before we do that, before we dive into all the big, juicy, delicious questions that I've got here for you, I would love if you can just share a little bit on you, your work, who you are, where you're from. Tell me all the things. Yeah, so I wasn't always a self-relationship coach. (laughs) Surprise. Um, I actually worked in architecture for 10 years and decided to leave that career to go into life coaching. But originally I'm from Ireland, moved to Australia, um, was in, I guess a very long story short, was in a long-term relationship when I moved to Australia. And that ended when I was 28. And I thought, oh, my God, my life is over. Like, I thought I had all these plans before 30 and my life's totally off track. Um, And I went through a really, really deep depression, I would say, after that. Like, I didn't want to leave my house. I would call in sick to work. I didn't leave my bedroom. I wouldn't clean. Like, it was not a good place. I refer to it as that year was like a cave where I was just like in my own world and I didn't let anyone help me either mm-hmm. and it was in that moment or in that I guess six months into that that I realized how my thoughts were really really holding me prisoner in this painful place and I was the only one that could save me so it was a if my thoughts can hold me prisoner then are they also the key to set me free mm-hmm. that was the shifting moment yeah and then yeah that was the start of my personal development journey I think it was like 2018 maybe 2017 and I started reading personal development books I read 84 books in I think it was 18 months um yeah (laughs) so I jumped in hard I needed it I just I was not happy I realized that that relationship ending was the catalyst of me realizing that I was a passenger in someone's life my whole life it wasn't I'd never actually done anything really for me it was always like based on what other people thought I should be doing or what I thought other people wanted me to do Mm. um so yeah that was my massive wake-up call and people naturally were like what are you doing you're a completely different person I was like well I'm just doing this and I started just kind of telling them bits that I had learned and then I studied um in life coaching and yeah now I'm here last year I won the award and I was just like oh my god (laughs) yeah I watched your videos on you winning it and it was such raw just genuine emotion it was so so beautiful to see like you know, you you saw the moment where you knew it was you, they were talking about you and they hadn't said your name yet. And you were just like, oh my God, it's me, it's happening. (laughs) You could just see that genuine emotion coming through. It genuinely, it was, because it was only in in December last year. So Mm. not that long ago. And I remember when I realized it was me, it was kind of like, it was like everything I had done up to that point 
I realized I was like so grateful for I was like I've done this like it was like a moment where I realized how proud I was for showing up for myself and for being a valuable you know coach to other people to help them facilitate this incredible life change that I feel like everyone needs to have at some point and yeah I was just it was I didn't expect it (laughs) at all I was like yeah okay I'm nominated that's amazing and then yeah it was just so raw and even thinking about it I'm like I get emotional. Yeah. yeah, what it it was it's just beautiful to be recognized for all of your hard work and all of your own healing as well. Like I think that that accredits that's a credit to you for everything that you're doing in the space of online coaching as well as everything that you've done for yourself and really noticing that big shift that you had and as you referred to it as your awakening or the wake up call. Um what what does life look like now in terms of feeling in alignment and really being connected to your your truest self? Oh, like it's a totally different world. I literally wake up, I wake up with my beautiful partner who I never thought would exist in this world because I was single for a few years after that and it was really quite a struggle. Um, But now, you know, I healed a lot of stuff that I didn't realize needed healing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and attracted this amazing partner into my life. And we wake up, we both have our own businesses. So we work from home. And we just wake up whenever we want. We have a coffee. You know, we live in a beautiful home. And it's just, I look around pretty much every day, usually at the end of the day. And I just think, oh, I am so grateful for everything that I have. Like, it's just, it's like a warm, cozy blanket. I can't explain it. It's just like, yeah, yeah I feel like I'm just doing something. I love working. I love helping people, talking to people, being on podcasts. <laughs> like, I love all of it. I could do it 12 hours a day, 20 mm-hmm. hours a day. And then it's, yeah it's so interesting to me that old terminology um or um what's the word I fucking lost the word it's okay. I, can't, I can't think of the right word um but it's it's where it says um misery loves company and I think that so often in our healing journey or you know at the very start when we're feeling all the feelings or we're going through some big trauma or experience in our life an event in our life misery loves company so we're attracting these people and these toxic relationships however that looks that could be quite deep toxicity or that could just be surface level but regardless of that it's still toxic energy that we're harboring and and exchanging with other humans um and i really feel like the more that we can become aware of our thoughts and how we feel about ourselves we are going to harness a power within us that will then attract positive relationships relationships that do not drain us relationships that leave us on high vibrations and just don't exact like if i feel like when i'm feeling down about something i will always draw in negative vibes it's like what is that saying um you attract what you are Mm -hmm. your life is a mirror of like what how you feel about yourself on the inside yeah And I think relationships and dating and all of those things are definitely a massive highlight to where your energy is low and where you need to heal and what, you know, you need to work on. So I always talk about people, you know, you're attracting emotionally unavailable men. It's like, well, are you emotionally available? Mm. And people are like, hmm. Maybe no. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's interesting um the polarity polarity between um projection and triggers. So when we're projecting our own emotions onto somebody else, it's because we want them to do something and we want to be have the control over the outcome, right? But the triggers are when somebody's doing something that we don't like. The trigger is actually a mirrored image of what we feel about ourselves or what we want for ourselves that we don't have. So example of that, it could be a woman that's confidently 
putting her body on social media and she's putting up photos of herself in a swimsuit or whatever and that being like oh I don't want to see that she shouldn't be doing that like the comments or the stories that we tell ourselves in our heads and this this narrative that we have it's only because we want to feel that confident to be able to do that so I find that really interesting and and have you felt or found that in your work the, the polarity between projections and triggers and how does that come up in your with your clients yeah I think what we judge in others is such a powerful way to actually have a talk with ourselves and see what what are we judging within ourselves when we're actually like projecting that onto someone else. So one of mine, just as an example, because I think it's really good to hear other people's examples, is for me, it was loud people. So if we were on a bus and someone was on the phone and they were talking really loud, I would just think, oh, my God, they're so rude. Like, how could they do that? Blah, blah, blah. And I realized that that was me. I wanted to be a person who was able to speak. And I actually done a lot of healing on my wound, which was like to be seen and not heard and to actually use my voice. And someone, you know, shouting or having a good time and expressing their feelings and all of those things triggered me, triggered a part of me because I wanted that in some way. Mm. And I realized that that was a judgment that I had carried from, you know, my childhood and my environment growing up. And yeah, I think our triggers are a massive, massive reflection on what we can work on and how why are we triggered by these things just like waking up to ourselves and I say that a lot because we're just walking around on autopilot most of us are Mm -hmm. and it isn't until you wake up to you know the stuff that triggers you why are you angry at someone why are you upset is it because of something that's happened just right now or are you reacting or as I say reenacting something from the past Mm -hmm. like you're not responding to the current situation most of the time you're reenacting something from the past trying to protect yourself in some way yeah wow I think that's really relevant in, in terms of healing and how people um how people can mend the past and move on from their traumas and things because you cannot you cannot let go of your pain and your hurt if you do not heal your wounds they will continue to come up and show up in ways that you don't even know that you're doing it and you will project that energy onto the people in your life you will harbor that 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 those feelings and those negative emotions and they'll be displayed in other areas of your life like i know for a lot of example men they internalize their trauma and hurt but it does show up eventually it's showing up in the way they're directing their stuff or it's showing up in the way that they're caring for their children like there is still a projection there um and we really just need to i think i totally agree with everything that you've said just then just be so self-aware about what is triggering us go inward on that why does that bother you so much like for me i'm really noticing now um something for me i think i've that i've just mentioned is confidence um and i when i've seen somebody being too confident that's triggered me but now i'm aware to be like that bothers me because I want to be seen and heard and and have my voice just like her. So I really resonated with you and your story on um on being being able to be heard and and have your voice heard as well. Yeah, and I think even with coaching, like I I've definitely had and you mentioned the award earlier, where like it kind of you could see that it all just hit me. Mm-hmm. It was that I realized I always had this voice in my head that was like, "You're not good enough. You don't know enough. Like, how could you win an award?" Like you have so much more to learn. I think, you know, the way we speak to ourselves is so important. And there's, you know, how we speak to ourselves are our thoughts, there are emotions that turn into behaviors. And when I won that award, it was kind of like confirmation that 
that voice was wrong. It was like the bully in my head was like, no, <laughs> you do know enough. You're more than enough as you are. And I feel like no matter what area you are in your life, something comes up for you. Like there's always something, another layer to kind of unfold and see what's underneath it. Like in business, I've had it too, even with life coaching. I didn't think life coaching was a real job. <laughs> I actually thought that life coaches were scam artists. Like this is my belief. And now that's my, this is how I live every day. So, yeah. I had someone um, who I was, who I know, um, who I was discussing my NLP course with, and I'm a qualified practitioner now in NLP, and I'm going to do my master's next week. And they said, oh yeah, but anyone can be a life coach. And A, triggered, me triggered, me ding, 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 red flag. B, hmm, how can I reframe this? How can I make this conversation an opportunity for learning and growth, either for them or for me, one of the two, but I've got to do something here because my reaction and my natural response is defense and to protect my feelings. And I found that really offensive, but they, you don't know what you don't know, right? So obviously they haven't been exposed to the, the, to the magic and the power that life coaches in this space are doing for men and women. Yes. life coaches are doing more in my in my experience of working with life coaches which I have for two years in in very different entities um they have done more for me than any psychologist or school counselor and I went through all, the entire schooling system with psychiatric care and then support so for me I know that this work is so valid and so valuable and powerful for people so just even that one moment, you know, that one little comment that's obviously still sitting with me today, it was a little trigger for me. And I took mm. it as a learning opportunity for me to say, well, people might say that when they hear that's what that's what I'm doing and that's who I am and that's where I'm going with my life. Um, how will that make me feel in the future? I don't want that to feel anything in the future. So becoming aware of that trigger right now, it allows me to then go and heal whatever wound that is for me. And I think a little bit of work on it on myself has just been going back to the core. Well, I'm not good. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Similar to yourself when you've had those feelings of doubt. I, gen like, I genuinely feel that most people's pain stems from, you know, this is a generalization, stems from the, I am not enough. Like there's a part of us that doesn't feel worthy of it or that we feel shame. Like the amount of shame that we harbor, which results in us, you know, when we feel embarrassed, it's actually shame in some way, but we're just holding it in. It's like, no, we can't say that. You know, people will judge us again. And it's that our triggers are our answers. And even attachment styles, I know that um, you took the quiz the, uh, last night. Yes, I did. And that's one thing that a lot of people are beginning to realize what they are. And they're like, oh, that becomes their identity. But your attachment style is a symptom of what you need to heal, mm. not who you are. It's Absolutely. And look at within yourself. Absolutely. Just like, you know, any mental health illness is, it's not your identity. Nothing, you are you and that is your power, right? Your, your depression or your anxiety, you, you have anxiety. You feel depressed, but you aren't those things. There is, yeah. there is power in healing and experiencing those modalities and ensuring that you are using your own empowerment and your own self-love to flex that self-love muscle and say, hold on, I don't want to feel this way. I don't need to feel this way. That you know, even with shame and embarrassment and things like that that come up, you can heal in those moments as well. So I really love to know a little bit about attachment theory. 
Firstly, I'm happy to share mine. Mine was anxious attachment. So can you give us a little bit of a brief on what is anxious attachment and how could that be showing up in my life and my relationship? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I'm also a recovering anxious attachment. Um, and and you, it's very important to know if you don't know anything about attachment styles and you just find out what it is, that it's okay. It's not your identity, as you just said. And it's very normal to shift between them as well, depending on what goes on in your life. Mm-hmm. So I personally went from anxious to fearful avoidant um, due to like heartbreak and pain as an adult in relationships. And now I dance between secure most of the time and into anxiousness. <laughs> but <laughs> it's also important to know that they might come back up and that's okay as well mm-hmm. because you know what they are. So with the anxious attachment style, it's generally like there's a lot of internal, you internalize a lot of things. So internally you think that, oh, that's my fault. Maybe I should do more. Or why did I say that? Um, in your relationship, maybe it's you doing more than you should in order to be accepted and to love, to be loved, to feel connected. So with the anxious attachment style, it's very internal. And with the avoidance side, it's all external. So they blame everyone else. Oh, that person, you know, they're not good enough. Um, oh, they're not tall enough. They're like too short, whatever it might be. <clears throat> so there's like a very distinct difference between the anxious and the avoidant. So how how do you think it's showing up in your relationship? Do you think it's showing up? Get vulnerable with you. Yeah, absolutely it is because I'm, I've developed this anxiousness um, around making decisions for our family, um, around just just these little, little things, just little things. If I think, you know, if I notice that my husband's walked out the door and he didn't say goodbye to me in a particular way, I'm like, are you mad? Triggered. What did I do? <laughs> and then I ring him on the way to work. I'm like, like no why I just went to work I'm like it's the way that you say goodbye (laughs) you didn't say it the way you normally say it and that's literally just nailed anxious attachment style on the head it's those little things (laughs) that trigger something inside of you where your nervous system goes oh we're not safe something something's going on let's let's try and fix it let's figure out what it is you've done something something's happened so it's you're very hyper vigilant to other people's energy as well Mm. and you would shift very very quickly yeah that's interesting I didn't want to say it because it sounded so they sound so stupid like when those little things bother me or that I that I'm just hyper insecure or something because I'm actually not an insecure person in turn or insecure in my marriage one part but it's the little things where I'm just like hmm what's going on did I miss something what did I do (laughs) this is also really good because I teach a lot of my clients it's like oh that's a need of yours you need you know, your husband or your partner to say, to give you a kiss goodbye. Like that's one of my things is when my partner is away, he just spent um, 10 days in Dubai. And I was like, please send me a good morning text and a good night text. I don't care about anything in between. That just lets me know that you're thinking about me. I feel connected to you. And that's one of my needs. And it's okay to ask for that need as well. I like that. That's very crystal clear communication. I think that's a really healthy way of, you know, setting up healthy boundaries as well and integrating that into your relationship, especially when you're, you know, away from each other. I know for me, uh, my husband's been on business trips before and I've messaged and he's taken several hours to respond and things like that. And I've been like fretting the entire time. It's like, hey, babe, just finished meetings. How's your day? I'm like, 
I haven't moved. Yeah. And <laughs> you're, you you've, like, you've boiled up inside. You're like this pent up like energy. You're like, oh my God, like, just, just let me know you're okay. Is he dead? Is he alive? Like, what's he doing? Like your brain <laughs> just goes into absolute like crazy mode. <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm actually going away, as I said earlier next week, and it's for 18 days. It's the longest I will have ever been away from my kids. And I'm freaking out a little bit. Also know that this is the best thing that I could ever do for myself. Um, but you saying that, I think that's going to be, a, you know, a clear conversation that we have before I go of my expectations on. I just, I want to photo the, the kids and you in the mornings and in the afternoons. I don't want to talk to anyone. If you don't want to talk, that's fine. If we miss each other, no problem. Like miss each other on the phone, no problem. Um, but yeah, just putting that boundary or uh, having that in place, it might make me feel a lot less anxious, I think. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. And, you know, sometimes it's not about having a big, long conversation. It's just that one tiny thing that seems so little, but to you, it means so much. Yeah, yeah, totally. A conversation that I'm really passionate on speaking on is, is changing the narrative on what success looks like. And I wanted to chat with you on this today because I know so many women reach a certain age bracket. And if you're not in a marriage and without children, a lot of people hold some heavy self-judgment on their lives. And I feel like these moments in life hold some notion of what success looks like from the past stories that we've been built, brought up to believe and these conditioning beliefs surrounding marriage and children and families and age and all these things. So talk to me about how you have unpacked this in your own healing journey and how you are debunking this old story that's been a huge part of our social construct for your clients. Yes, this is definitely something I'm very passionate about too, because I don't know if it's, well, I mean, I feel like 30, 30 is like a dirty number. It's like, oh, you you turn 30, all of a sudden you're supposed to be married, have a house, have children. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, and when you do turn 30, for me personally, the day of my 30th, I was dumped by a guy that I was dating for 12 months who said he didn't want a relationship for the full 12 months, but I didn't believe him. Hello. <laughs> and so turning 30 for me was a double whammy because I thought, oh, I'm going to be in a relationship potentially, and now I'm not. Um, but for me, that was another moment of, I guess, healing that I had to re recognize within myself. I think the expectations that we put on ourselves based on our conditioning growing up is that you should all of a sudden be 30, have everything figured out. But that's just not true. To me, success is being happy, whatever that looks like. And I think if you're feeling the pain of, of turning 30 or being in your 30s and you know you also have that I feel like there's like clock I don't know if anyone can relate to this like ticking clock like I need to find someone now I need to have a baby now and there's so much pressure and I think our expectations that we have had growing up it's a different world now because not only are we growing older like that timeline doesn't work for us anymore mm -hmm. when our parents were you know growing up they got married at like 20 they had their first baby at 21 I at 21 what were you doing 21 I was I was busy going out having fun not you know my parents were married at 19 and had me at 25 so they didn't have me for a while but still they were married at 19 and together from 17 divorced yeah. by 30 so I sort yeah. of had I had a different sort of narrative on what success looked like for me growing up because I didn't have parents that were in a, a marriage 
you know, their, my entire life. I had one of the first set of divorced parents in my small primary school here in um, Newcastle. And it was such a big deal back then for that to even take place. So that judgment and that shame there on our family and that we were failures, we as a family as a whole, we're not meeting the social um, expectations of society at that point. So it's interesting to me because I haven't, I, I see the social constructs of people being raised with these beliefs and these patterns. I personally wasn't, but I have every single person in my family and my friend networks that were raised like this. Um, but for me, I, I, I'm a lot like you. I've always believed it success is happiness and there shouldn't be an age or a number that pinpoints a timeline of when we're going to reach these these pivotal moments in our life that equal something that we define as success. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think you've raised a valid point there is that not everyone has the same expectations, but I think the external world, a lot of people have these expectations like, oh, you're not married. What's wrong with you? Or, oh, you'll meet the one. And it gets really, really annoying. <laughs> it's how, like- how in those moments do you create healthy boundaries with people who are projecting these old beliefs on marriage and children? To you what would you encourage your clients there well I think it depends on where you are in your healing journey like the awakening of yourself as I call it because it is coming home to yourself and like trusting that you're good enough so when someone does say that it doesn't affect you like you don't take it to heart you're like oh you know that's just them that's their opinion and it doesn't mean anything about me it's not a reflection of who I am or my self-worth um, if you're early on in the journey where this is like a massive trigger for you it's about creating a boundary that you know to say hey um I don't really want to talk about it right now just something really simple and maybe just saying depends on who they are like that's not my version of of what I want to do I'm really happy doing this um I know it will come whenever it's ready it's going to be here but it's actually you know telling people that you don't want to talk about it or that it's not something that's any of their business really in a way that shows them that it's not a conversation that you should be having. Yeah, I fa- like- always found it really, really tricky in terms of I feel like that's almost I get nervous around hard questions like that when when friends and family ask questions that maybe I'm not willing to talk about to say I don't want to talk about it. I find that really um, in my in the way that I would feel like I'm saying it, it would be, to be rude and I'm so scared to hurt people's feelings or to be rude. So I put myself in uncomfortable situations and shared uncomfortable conversations with people that I didn't necessarily want to have to avoid that what do you think that the inner work there is for me (laughs) Mm, well I mean you're describing one of the symptoms of the anxious attachment style which is the people pleasing and the feeling of not wanting to hurt other people's feelings so you're feeling responsible for other people's feelings when in reality they're adults and they are responsible for their own feelings but also the fear of conflict I don't know if that's a big one for you as well. Yeah, but. it definitely is the fear of conflict. Um, so, some things I'm not afraid of on one part. I think the biggest thing for me is I am not one part afraid of anyone that I don't know. Anyone that doesn't know me, say what you want, do what you want, doesn't bother me. You're a human. You project your feelings. Someone that does know me, their opinions, and their, if they're holding anything negative, that really, like, ruins my soul and I can't handle that conflict like those hard conversations are not something I even want to engage with because it's too hard and I don't want to I feel like that's also me self-sabotaging my relationships too because I'm not willing to grow with that person I'm not offering them and myself to the opportunity for growth in our relationship by having an uncomfortable and conflicting conversation um conflict doesn't equal abuse I think that's probably the association that I've made 
from past belief is that conflict is abusive, nasty, mean, cruel. So mm. maybe that's something that I could go and reflect on after this episode because. Yes. <laughs> I so. Well, I mean, and that's where I was going to is that when you have a fear of saying something like, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm not comfortable talking about this right now. Can we talk about something else? Like if that's igniting something in you now where you're like triggered, you're like, oh my God, I could never, ever do that invite yourself to have a conversation around what that looks like for you does it mean that you are a bad person if you say it is there going to be what's the worst case scenario is it conflict are they going to hate you are you going to hurt someone's feelings and then asking yourself where did I ever learn how to create these boundaries where did I learn how to deal with challenging conversations and most of the time you'll figure out that you were never actually taught this skill Mm. and it's a skill like mm. it's it's not that there's something wrong with you it's just like something that you haven't learned or you haven't flexed that muscle like you said earlier yeah. um, yet with conflict or with having tougher conversations so of course it's going to be uncomfortable when you do it first but by not doing it you're harboring the resentment within yourself you know you're trotting all over yourself and your own um, needs and your own happiness really and that is a reflection of like self-love and the self-esteem that you have for yourself because if it was higher you'd be like I'm not comfortable talking with that and you wouldn't have that feeling so it's like harboring that self-love having a little chat with yourself and going oh okay so I'm missing a skill set here and that is to have conversations that feel tough for me why is that Mm. interesting yeah that's a big one that's really really big for me I think it's it's also really interesting noticing how conversations with people I don't know, I can often, I'd be more than happy to have a, an opinion or a feeling or, you know, share my thoughts on, on a topic that might be controversial, no problem. But with people I do know, if I know that they have a formed opinion on something, I'll withdraw myself from that. Um, yeah. And again, that might come back to me being, feeling unheard or, or not having my voice heard. Mm, yeah. And I think it's also important that it's kind of, when you're with close family or if it's somebody that you know, it's a very different environment than it's someone that you don't know. Because when you have your environment, the people that you know, they're your tribe. They're your, you know, they love you and you want to be a part of them. You don't want to be separate for them from them because that means danger. Like, you know, if you were to speak out about something when you were younger, what was the ramification for that? that is what your fear is it isn't the current moment it's the past moment where you learned that if you speak out and say what you want or what you need that you will be punished or that you will be abandoned or that you know you'll you'll have something bad happen so you've associated this conversation with something really stressful and you're trying to protect yourself Yeah, I definitely can resonate and feel that. And I'm sure that a lot of people would too with that anxious attachment and with being, you know, natural. I say that I'm a naturally born people pleaser. It just sort of started from as young as I can remember, but it didn't just start. It was taught. It's all learnt behaviours. It's all been imprinted on me in those, you know, in those very, very detrimental years between zero and seven, you know, to get what you want or to to be your truest self you also have to make sure that everyone else is happy first and I think yeah yeah I'm very aware and of I that, think but that, that one sentence everyone else has to be happy first like how much pain do you think that 
you would suffer just with that one belief. I know I've had it like that is that's basically codependency. It's like when everyone else is okay, I'm okay. Yeah. It and that's is. enmeshment into the tribal cycle. So this tribal cycle that I'm talking about is the family, whatever that looks like to you growing up. It's those people that were your home, that were your safe place. And when they project that onto you, like, oh, you can't do that because it upsets me. Mm. Like that's one thing is like, this person made me so upset. It's like, no, they didn't make you upset. You're upset because of something else. Yes. yes. You're allowing it for some reason. And I think... It's really interesting because I feel like we're on this cusp of a massive awakening where people are realizing how painful all of that is. Like, I feel like even, I don't know how you are with your children, but even parenting is so different now. I have been just torn apart in parenting. That's where I've been absolutely cracked open and all of my all of my pain and all of my traumas have been mm-hmm. triggered upon. Um, parenting has been the biggest possible learning for me because everything comes out and it has not been on purpose. Uh, there mm-hmm. is some stuff in there I didn't even know happened. There is stuff that I didn't know I felt. Um, you know, you you are tested and it is grueling and it is the hardest thing you will ever do. It's also very rewarding and there are some magical, beautiful moments. I'm all about that too. Like I love mm-hmm. my kids, but they are fucking assholes and they <laughs> they can go from zero to 100 in three seconds I was half dressed and my son got out the front and we live on a very busy street and he's three. And then he let my two-year-old daughter out the front and I was half dressed chasing them like around the car and he's going, can't catch me, mommy. (laughs) And I'm like, it's 6.30 in the fucking morning. I can't do this today. Just get inside. And he just was like, can't catch me. So like daily you are tested (laughs) and your responses are tested and patient mommy isn't always present. And Sometimes, you know, it's something that my husband over the probably last 12 months has become hyper aware of is from the moment my eyes open and only if I get my one hour of gym time to myself, I get up really early to train. That's that's been my thing. That's what my non-negotiable. I thrive doing that. I'm I'm a better mom, a better wife, better person. If I just get up at 4.30 and get to the gym by five, I'm home by six. That's when everyone wakes up. I don't disturb anyone. And I really, really noticed that it was either before when my eyes open that morning if I don't go to the gym or when I walk in the door from the gym at 6 a.m I serve every single person until I go to bed mm-hmm. and no one serves me so something that we've been really working on together as a as a couple is communicating he just says what can I do now because I won't ask, I'll just do. It's easier for me to do the task. Is it quicker for me to do it? I know where it is. I know what needs to be done. I'll just add it to my mental note, in a mental note in my head, and I'll get it done. But communicating, being really, really clear with, I'm not going to ask you for help. I need you to offer. And then you can say yes. That's just something that has shifted so much in our parenting relationship. Do you have a lot of clients coming to you that are parents that are going through similar experiences, like unpacking you know, old beliefs, old traumas, things like that? That is like very normal. Like once you step into motherhood, it's kind of you notice all of your reactions. You notice all, all of your wounds kind of coming up and you're just like, oh, my God, I'm, I've turned into my mother. Like instantly I'm doing these things like reacting and not responding. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's such an eye opener because they want to be the best mom that they could have like they want the best for their children and they don't want them to see the pain or feel the pain maybe that they felt. And this is how the wounds kind of come up because you're like, you kind of overextend yourself to make sure that they are okay. And because you don't want to have history repeated. So a lot of parenting is either doing the exact same thing that your parents did 
or your caregivers did or the complete opposite. I noticed something a little while ago I was doing even now everyone says what an amazing mother I have and I do I've got an incredible mother I'm very very lucky for who she is and everything she's done for me um and I I really noticed when you know my son was born everyone praising you know what a great grandma that he's got he's she's the best nanny ever and she is she's the best she really is but I started doubting myself and my own parenting and and what I didn't feel drawn or aligned to um I've talked about this on my podcast before but it's getting down and playing trains or you know reading books for long periods of times or doing arts and crafts I'm not into it I don't like it I barely like the park I listen to a podcast when I'm at the park so I can do two things at once it's Mm -hmm. not my thing but because I was raised by a woman who thrives on those things and still thrives on those things I'm like and I I was concerned at a point that I I wasn't loving them how I'm supposed to do it but then I really started doing some healing work on myself and I was like no I'm doing it the, the way I, I need to do it because this is my journey and my parenting experience and I think a lot of women get so lost in the comparison of notes on what other mothers and what other grandmothers and what their mum did or what their mother-in-laws are doing and we get lost in that translation a little bit when we do become new parents and I think it's so important to honor yourself honor what you need your desires your needs come first. You can't pour from an empty cup. So you need to fill your cup first so that you can serve your babies how they need to be served. Mm, beautifully said. And I think that is like the expectations. It's like the expectation that as a mum, you should drop everything and be at their beck and call and sit on the floor and do all the toy stuff when yeah. inside you're just dying. <laughs> like yeah. You love your kids, but that's just not, you're not happy. Yeah. And children children are sponges like literally everything that we have healed in ourselves has come from our childhood yeah absolutely if they feel your energy is off if they feel that they will sense that and think it's their fault in some way it will they will turn it around and make it mean something like i'm not good enough literally they do they don't understand logic they don't understand logic until after seven at all so everything revolves around them the whole world revolves around them and if you're in a shitty mood, sorry if I'm not like a person. No, please swear. I swear all the time. It's okay. If you're in a shitty mood, <laughs> yeah. they think it's because of them, but maybe it's because you had a really long day at work or you didn't get to the gym. But that, that like a lot of people think, oh, you know, my childhood was amazing. My parents are great. Like we're not saying that they're not great, but you can have these, these beliefs deep in your subconscious from tiny moments like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So important. I think don't quote me on this, but there was research done where it showed with attachment styles that children of um, families where their relationship was put first over the children had had a higher percentage of secure attachment style than families who put the children first and the relationship. I absolutely agree with that statement. My husband and I have been noticeably um, in the past when his daughters come home. So we've got the four kids, 50, 50, um, sorry, two out of four, 50, 50. And um, yeah, when the girls would come home, we don't, we would not do anything. We wouldn't go anywhere because they only get us for half the time. So we make sure that that is completely devoted to them and family time. So we would never go out if there was a business meeting on, if there was a, a, a family event on, we just wouldn't do those things without them. Um, but now I, we really want to display that healthy relationship and them to see that we're putting our marriage and our, our adult time as a priority because we want them to do that when they walk into relationships as, um, as adults. And I think that that is just a beautiful way to instill those, those values in a child as well. Yeah, and I think that what you just said highlights 
a lot of pain people experience in relationships is that by you being in a happy relationship, by you fulfilling your own needs and your partner doing the same for themselves and then coming together, you're showing them what a healthy love looks like. Yes. They're not going to go into relationships and like, or maybe they will, but they all get out of it really quickly where they're toxic or there's like pain or they're not being treated well because they've seen you growing up and they're like, Mm -hmm. that's what a relationship should look like. That's how we learn how to love Mm -hmm. is through our caregivers whether that's them single or in a relationship or with multiple people, like that's how we learn to not only see what we should, how we should be treated, but how we should give love as well. I think that's a very important one, like how you give love. Mm. Because the people pleasing, like going over and beyond, you learn sometimes as kids, that's how you should love someone. So then you abandon yourself. Yeah. You're in like, narcissistic codependent situation speaking of like self-abandonment and things how can we identify in our, our own red flags in ourselves i.e like we are self-sabotaging our relationships and and self-abandoning how does that even show up um i would say the very biggest sign would be if you're ignoring the red flags <laughs> if you ignore other people's red flags that's a massive 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 red flag yeah um but uh, i think I think you feel like you go over and beyond. You're like, oh, you kind of begin to harbor a little bit of resentment sometimes. Um, Maybe you're telling yourself that it's better than it is, or you're telling yourself that, you know, this is as good as it gets, that this is normal, Uh, trying to talk yourself out of it, really. And uh, when when you wake up and you're feeling anxious all the time, (laughs) that's a telltale sign as well that you're abandoning yourself. Yeah, that intuition doesn't lie, does it? No, and I think we've been we've been taught to think with our heads and not like feel with our body, our intuition. And that was something I had to personally reconnect with as well, because I was so in my head. I was a massive overthinker. Everything had to be perfect. And it wasn't until, you know, I learned that my gut was actually always right. I just had to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Even in my that relationship I was in, he was cheating on me and everything inside me was saying, leave. But I was like, no, there's no evidence, really. But like, I could feel it. I could feel that energy. And it's so important to just connect with yourself and just have that moment of being still. Mm. I feel like we're, we're so, we're trained to be human doings where we're doing something all the time that we can't just sit and be still. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the the busy woman we've been wearing is a badge of honor for a really long time. And we're we're in 2022 now and that's shifting and I'm here for it. I like that, you know, yes, have the side hustle. Absolutely have that business. Yes, go to work, work all, you know, work your 60 hours, do what you want to do, do what makes you feel good. But if it's not making you feel good, stop wearing it as a badge of honor. Stop showing yeah. other women that that's who they need to be. Stop showing your daughters that that's how life needs to look for them to feel success and for them to feel like they're, they're happy because it's not. If you're not waking up every day present, feeling that stillness able to smile or able to laugh then you're not fucking happy and yeah. something's wrong and listen I think to your gut yeah massive red flag as you say that is if you can't sit alone then that's a red flag you need you need healing if you can't sit and be by yourself for an hour like you need healing if it's like a day if the thoughts of being alone for one day sends you into absolute mayhem like your brain just explodes Mm. you have been distracting yourself like whether that's the gym or whether it's work or the side hustle or doing another program or listening to more podcasts like 
if you can't stop and sit still, you're avoiding yourself. Yeah. 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 I really like that. I think that's a really healthy way to actually reflect on that for anyone listening and taking a moment to go, how often do I sit by myself and sit in my own presence in the silence? What happens then? What are my thoughts? What do I feel? Can I do that for longer than a couple of minutes? I think a lot of people would struggle. And if that's the case, time to go inward on that, I think as well. I've got one more question for you. I'm so sorry. I've taken up so much of your time today, Um, but one more question because I feel like this will just support so many people listening. How are women cock-blocking themselves in attracting healthy, healed relationships? By not having a relationship with themselves. Ah, there it is. The golden like, <laughs> the golden takeaway of the episode. <laughs> yeah. And, and literally everything I have learned in my own healing journey, everything I have helped clients with is that we have all come home to ourselves. We've built a relationship with ourselves where we fucking love ourselves and we trust ourselves in making decisions. And when crap happens... We know we're able to handle it when we get rejected, that, that it, that's okay. It's not a reflection of our worth and how good we are. It's just that some people like Brussels sprouts and some people don't. It's a matter of taste, like, you know, and when you like, have this. I like that metaphor. <laughs> I know, I love a good metaphor. But yeah, it's true. It's like a matter of taste. And that's how, you know, with a lot of clients that are dating and someone doesn't text them back where they ghost. I'm like, you're a Brussels sprout. It's okay. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it and that that's what it means it's like when you're cock blocking yourself is you're distracting yourself from having that relationship with yourself you're doing all of the external things because you think that the external thing is going to make you happy but it's not I can guarantee you I achieved so many goals and every time I got there it wasn't good enough I still felt like there was something missing yeah I feel so that. yes the relationship with yourself yeah that's a brilliant answer I love it Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It has been my pleasure to chat with you. I appreciate all your time and energy. You're so welcome. Thank you for sharing as well and being vulnerable and open. I always find that when people are like that, it kind of gives other people permission to be themselves too. So being brave and being yourself and being who you truly are gives other people permission to do the same thing. So it's very powerful. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. I'm sure so many women are going to resonate with it. So for anyone looking to connect with you now, where do they find you? Um, on Instagram, Olivia Merton Coach, or on my website, which is www.oliviamerton.com.au. Perfect. I'll put all those details in the show notes of the episode. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I hope anyone, one person got something from this, at least yeah. one. Because that's all that matters. Like it's just hitting hitting home for one person. It like creates a huge catalyst and a ripple effect for the people around them too. So it absolutely absolutely does. So for anyone listening, if you did get something out of this episode, we would really appreciate just a quick written review on Apple Podcasts, um, or please screenshot it and share it on your Instagram, or send it to a, a woman in your life that you know needs to hear a conversation just like this one. Amazing! Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.